The Yankees have not lost in a major league ballpark in nearly two weeks. The rain washed away Sunday's game, but the Yanks won all three against the Twins, making it nine straight victories and giving the Yankees a two and a half game lead in the wild card. What has made this team so unstoppable? And can they actually win the damn AL East? Our guest this week is a friend of the program, Emmy Award winning Yes Network host, our guy Bob Lorenz. No losing here. Next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with my co-host, the Roastmaster and four-time Yankees World Series champion, Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our depressed Met fan producer, Jake Brown, as well during the show. God, I love saying that. Follow us all on Twitter at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Yes Network Emmy Award-winning host and friend of the program, Bob Lorenz, will join us later in the pod. But first, you know, the Mets are sinking like a stone while the Yankees are rising like a phoenix from the ashes. Nine straight wins. And just to prove to you all out there that this isn't easy, the Yankees have only had 10 game winning streaks, believe it or not, Nelly, four times since 1996. 98 2005, 2012, and last season in September, which helped propel them into the playoff picture. But what they're doing right now, and you know, with the patchwork team that they've had because of injuries, this is pretty damn impressive, the job that Aaron Boone is doing right now with this bunch. Yeah, I agree. You know, they're finally getting healthy, and I think that's what we wanted to see is these guys get healthy. You know, Rochelle is going on a rehab assignment. It'd be interesting to see what they're going to do with him as far as where they play him. It's hard to keep Odor out of that lineup. But, you know, they got Rizzo back. They got Voigt back. You know, after we talked about Voigt's comments, you know, he's playing, he's hitting, uh, you, you know, whether it's a designated hitter or he plays first base. I just can't see how, you know, I, I really scratched my head the other day when I saw Rizzo have a day off after he came, he played two days. The next thing you know, he has a day off. I'm like, what are we doing? We can't start platooning Rizzo and, and Voigt. But, you know, it just means that Stanton has to play the outfield. He has to get used to, you know, whatever, get his legs under him, but, you know, play the outfield. But this team is rolling, man. It, it's it's going out on the field with that feeling that they're going to win every single game. And that's, you know, like I don't like talking about my years, but that's what we did. I mean, every time we stepped between the lines, we thought we were going to win. And when we lost, it was a disappointment and basically a shock. And I think that's what they're finding right now. They're going out and everything's everything's working for them right now. You know, they pieced together a bullpen when Chapman was on the IL. The, you know, the starting rotation they pieced together when Montgomery and Cole were on the COVID IL. So now they're back and, you know, now they're rolling. And it's just uh, it's just a matter, you know, they go out on a West Coast trip. They hit Atlanta first for the first two games, which is another hot team in the National League East, maybe the hottest team in the National League. And then they go to Oakland for four, which they could probably try to separate themselves a little bit in that wild card. And and they're right there with the Rays. And the Rays has really have shocked me. You know, I, I didn't see them in first place. I didn't see them even making the playoffs. And you watch this club and, and being in Florida and basically working for the same channel as, as the Rays are on, 
the same broadcast. It's uh, it's amazing to watch these guys. They just have all kinds of fun. I mean, it's it, it's it's nice to see. And it's the same with the Yankees. They're just having fun now. And and I think it's carrying over on the field. And it's nice. I mean, because I didn't see this coming, you know, especially after the way they played. But since that trade, you know, I don't know if it's Boone you, you can give credit to, but I, I, you have to I constantly have to keep giving credit to Brian Cashman. You do. You have to give credit to Cash for making the trades. But uh, Aaron Boone, you know, we gave him uh, the business earlier in the season when the Yankees were scuffling we were wondering if he was the right guy for this job well it turns out you know his even keeled demeanor and the way he handles that clubhouse it's part of the reason why the Yankees are where they are right now I mean I know he's not on the field playing but he is pushing the right buttons and I want to go back to what you said about keeping Rugnet Odor in this lineup it's pretty much impossible when you bring back Gio Rochella put him at third base then you're going to slide uh, you're going to keep Velasquez at short, obviously, until Glaber Torres comes back. But LeMahieu can't leave second base because of his triceps issue that has been hiding. And now it's kind of out there in the open. But he's playing second. He's starting to hit the ball better, too. And now you have Rizzo and Void at first. So where the hell do you put Rugnet Odor? How do you keep getting him consistent at bats? I, I would assume that they ease Urshela back into third base, maybe do the same thing with him that they did with Rizzo. They put him out there for two games, give him a day off, get Odor back in there, get him some more bats. But even Tyler Wade too, Nelly, we can't forget about him. I mean, he's pretty much tearing the cover off the ball too and doing everything right. We call it a good problem to have, but it's a good problem for Aaron Boone. It's it's a problem for guys who need those consistent at bats like Odor and Wade, right? Yeah, I think so too. You know, I think they're going to try to milk the Urshela thing, you know, rehab because he's been out. He hasn't played very much in the last what month and a half. So, you know, he they're going to try to at least get maybe a week's worth of rehab assignment, rehab at bats with him, and maybe I, I could even see him play shortstop in his rehab. You know, I, I like Velasquez, you know, his kid has just been a great story and watching him hit a home run on Saturday, his first major league home run with his family there, his mom, his grandmother. I mean, they're crying. I mean, the smile around his face, uh, you know, when he was r- rounding the bases the day before, I think what he get the weight or, or the WWE belt or whatever it was. So, you know, it's just this, this is a great story for someone that lives up the block and lives with his parents and while, he, while he's playing at home and his mom and dad and his, and his family are going to every single game. So, you know, it's almost like Little League for him. You know, it's but it's it's such a great story. But I can see Urshela possibly in, during his rehab assignments playing shortstop. I mean, I like Velasquez, but at the same time, you need a major league experienced hitter in there constantly and it's nothing against Velasquez he's played terrific since he's been up but I much rather have Urshela and if that means keeping Odor because Odor can't play short I mean he barely has an arm for third if you have Odor in that lineup then you could go and and you could put Urshela at short until Torres is ready so it's a great problem to have I mean it's you know to try to keep everybody happy that's going to be tough uh, you know, Tyler Wade is go- is going to get his opportunities because you know that Stanton's not going to be able to play the outfield every single day. You might be three days and maybe a day off. The way Voight's hitting, the way, you know, and you have to keep Rizzo in this lineup, you almost have to keep Voight every single day as well. And, and you know, Stanton might be one of those guys that three on a day off, three on a day off, and, and then you get Tyler Wade there at, his at bat. So, you know, they're clicking right now. Everything's going right. And, you know, I guess so just watch out, man. The rest of the American League, watch out. 
Guys, isn't this Velasquez story cool? Sheena, you're a big movie guy. This is like a Bronx tale, too. This guy hits a home run as an adult at Yankee Stadium. And here he is. He, he's going home to mama. His mom's got coffee and tea ready for him. And he comes home with a wrestling belt like he's back in high school again. He's coming home. Mommy, I got the belt. And then she's like, your eggs and bacon are ready for breakfast. I mean, okay. this is such an awesome story for a guy that no one had heard of. Yeah, I, I'd say this is a tremendous story. It, it really is. And think about it. Any Any kid... Uh, any grown-up kid like uh, Shearney right now speaking in the third person. I mean, if you watch Velasquez rounding the bases, as you mentioned, Nelly, when he, when he's a, coming to hit third, the smile was from ear to ear, and that smile resonates with every forty-eight-year-old like myself who grew up in the tri-state area and wanted to put on pinstripes, wanted to play shortstop, and wanted to hit a home run in the old place. Uh, we would pretty much settle for the new place if we had our chance. But I mean, it just seeing that, you know, they played that field of dreams game. That's the last time they lost, by the way. And now Andrew Velasquez is pretty much getting his walk through the corn and out into his field of dreams. It's, it's really amazing that the kid grew up. He's a 20 to 25 minute ride away from the stadium in the Bronx. And and he's having these moments. And Jeff, it's not like uh, he's a charity case. It's not like they're desperate and they need to keep playing him. He saved some runs at shortstop too. I I totally agree that you would try to get Urshela definitely in the lineup every day. You want a major league hitter in there. I get it. And Urshela has been that. He's been that 180 from all the power guys. He's the guy who puts the ball in play like LeMahieu, like Tyler Wade has been doing as of late. And I just think Velasquez has earned a place on this team. I don't want to see him get sent back to Scranton. I know, you know, it's it's bookkeeping and it might have to happen when guys start coming back. But to me and a lot of fans out there, I mean, just look at Twitter. When this kid is playing, they love him. They've fallen in love with him. And I know it's a business and I know maybe he'd have to go back to Scranton. But to me, the kid like uh, a Homer Bush, like an Andy Fox, I think he's earned a spot to be on this team, especially down the stretch. I, I really hope that they do the right thing and they keep him around because he's he's I think in a way. In a weird way, his story is helping push this team. I think Rizzo and Gallo bringing them in. Uh, Heaney, the job he did against the Red Sox in that last game, seven innings, and he shut Boston's lineup down. I mean, everything, as you said, Jeff, is just coming together at the same time. But as far as Velasquez goes, Squid's got to stay. And, and, and I'll be the first one with, with the flag waving for Squid to stay. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what – I, I have a feeling that they – you know, you look at Allen and Floreal when they first came up, when all these guys went on the COVID IL, and all of a sudden they were a spark plug, and everybody was saying the same thing about them, about they infused a, a young energy in this in, in this lackluster team, and that's what they were for a long time until they made that trade, and obviously it's a Cora huge boost. That. Even Alex right. Cora said that. Right, and, and you know, it's uh, – you know, it was a boost to the team, even after and once they get the, they made the trade, obviously it's infusion and it's a, it resonates through the clubhouse that this, you know, the Yankees front office is, are trying to make moves to get us into the playoffs and possibly the World Series and win the East. You know, that's, that's now their goal after how well they've been playing and, and how they've overcome a lot of games in, in the standings. Uh, Velasquez is another one. You know, I think the veteran guys love to see young players like that do well. And, and it's an energy that... 
sometimes is not there with veteran guys. Sometimes you go through the motions. I mean, I know this is a game. Everybody should have fun playing this game. But sometimes you just go. You're going at the park. You want to win every single game. But it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see guys smile when they run around the bases. It's exciting to mess with a, a rookie that's in the in the locker room or in the clubhouse or in the you know in the dugout. You mess with them a little bit and you have fun with them. You know, I was a little surprised. I thought they were going to give him the uh, give him the cold shoulder after he hit the home run. I thought okay, they were just going to go about their business. I mean, that would have worked out really well if they would have said ah no don't say anything to him you know just walk around like nothing ever happened and that would have been a great moment as well but you know they were high-fiving him as soon as he came in the dugout but I think you know he's probably going to be the odd man out you know you look at Tyler Wade he's starting to play really well and doing everything he can play the outfield third he can play second he can pinch run he makes things happen on the bases he's doing everything that that he can to keep himself in the lineup and and it's you know that's it's almost about time with him as well because he really has struggled through his early years with with the Yankees over the last couple and you know, I just think Velasquez is going to be one of those guys that probably gets sent down. I don't know where where he fits as far as when Urshela comes back. And then when you talk about September, it's not like the 40-man where you're going to add, you, you could add 10 guys and you can bring Alan Floreal, Velasquez, you can bring these guys back. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, I would say, more importantly, you could add you could add a regular and a position player and a pitcher. Sometimes these teams wind up adding two pitchers just because of September and the starters not going deep in the game. They may add two guys. Twenty eight. So I mean, I I feel you. Probably pitching uh, would be key there. The thing that really uh, worries me is the bullpen, and I I talked about that a month ago, and I'm still talking about it now. And saw Mike Francesa, you know, tweet that uh, it all depends. It all rides on Chapman. And I can't say that the fella is wrong. I, I mean, the bullpen... can you say that in his voice though? Can you say it rides on Chapman? Okay, okay, <laughs> rides on Chapman. Okay, yeah. So I just think, but he's right. The bullpen is going to be the key to this team. I mean, they have the offense. The starting pitching is coming around. Uh, it's the bullpen that's going to have to pitch those huge innings like they have in the past in the postseason. And and we've seen the, the issues that they've had. You hope uh, Zach Britton gets his confidence back at some point, because right now uh, we were just talking about that. It's kind of shot. So hopefully he gets that back before the postseason starts if the Yankees do make the postseason. But something I wanted to bring up with you, Nelly, before we get to our guest, Bob Lorenz, I just want to get your thoughts on this because it's very seldom that I start slamming my desk at work like a dictator when I agree with a point that's made on TV. But John Smoltz during the game on Saturday against the Twins, Anthony Rizzo hit a squibber off the end of his bat into the shift right behind second base. Whoever fielded it for Minnesota, and I forget, I I apologize, but he fumbled it and Rizzo made it on. And Smoltz, without hesitation, said, this is why you can't strike out. This is why strikeouts are not the thing to do, especially when it comes to the postseason. Putting pressure on the defense is what's important, especially when you get to that second season. I slammed my desk so hard. The whole office had to hear me. It was just finally somebody was saying something that made sense. I just wanted to know what if you heard that and or what you feel of what Smoltz said. No, I've talked to John Smoltz a number of times. You know, I, we've run in each, into each other a lot during the playoffs and when he's working for Fox and, and covering the games and, you know, me covering the games for who, whoever. We talk all the time and, and, you know, 96 still rubs him the wrong way, by the way. He still has, he still has <laughs> a, not that a great feeling about across. that. 
Kind of comes across. Yeah, he still he still can't believe it. I mean, after all these years, he still he still uh, you know has a sore spot in his heart. So, but we talk about it all the time, and, and you know, I'm going to ask Bob Lorenz when he comes on and said, "What's your biggest concern going forward with this team?" Is and my biggest concern is the computer. It's uh, and you know how how these teams try to script games. And we talked about, John Smoltz and I talked about this, you cannot script the game. And, you know, even Joe Torrey, we keep bringing him up. And I even mentioned it on on my pre and post in the Marlins that, you know, you're trying to make imperfect game perfect. And that's what the Yankees sometimes do. And when they get into the playoffs, they really concentrate on that. And that computer really runs the team when they get into the playoffs. The feel is gone. And the teams that have the best feel that are in the playoffs are the ones that are going to wind up winning. And, if the Yankees can toss that computer in the back room and lock it and go on feel, I think they have a great shot of getting to the World Series and maybe winning. If they don't, then it's going to be another year that they probably will get through the first round when they go, when they play that one game playoff against whoever it is. That's if they don't win the East and then go to the ALDS and could wind up losing because the computer kills them. And and it's been killing them ever since this stupid analytics stuff has started. Yeah, our buddy uh, Nick Taturo actually was uh, texting me yesterday during my Liberty broadcast about how the Yankee team has transformed and how these trades and how they're running and, and how they're really playing baseball once again. So, hey, we'll see. We're going to get Bob Lorenz on here in just a second. We're going to talk to him some more about this team. Who better to have on this podcast than Bob Lorenz? He's got his finger on the pulse of the this team. He does pretty much 160 out of 162 post-game shows. So Bob has heard it all. He's seen it all. And he joins us next here on the Pinstripe Pod. As promised, joining us now, Bob Lorenz. He's a Yes Studio host. He also does play-by-play for the Yankees. You could follow him on Twitter if you don't already. You must be living under a rock. It's at Bob Lorenz. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it, pal. I, you're welcome. I do have a lot of people that follow me that actually do live under rocks. Apparently. <laughs> some, of the, some of the feedback I get on Twitter, comments. <laughs> I set them up. You knock them down, Bobby. Um <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I don't know what the feeling in the studio is. I know Jack Curry and I spoke briefly about the Yankees getting fat with the upcoming schedule, and they are muy gordo right now. I mean, they are just taking it to these teams that they should be taking it to. But you have to realize and you have to notice, and Nelly and I have been talking about this since the deadline, you've really noticed a change, not only in the way they're playing on the field, Bob, but in the morale, in the dugout, and in the clubhouse. Absolutely. I mean, I think back to June and July when that sort of the theme of the season was two steps forward, two steps back. They couldn't get any traction. They were a little above 500. And, you know, I'd love to get Nelly's take on this, having been in a clubhouse. Like, you suddenly add, and I know it almost sounds like you're making it up, but you add the energy of a a Velasquez, what Wade is doing. The new guys, Rizzo and Gallo, I know they don't run as much, but they take an extra base. Odor has done the same thing. Like, when you add people, Nelly, does that change things? Like, it really, you talk about it being a spark plug. Does it actually do that for a team? It does, because I've been on both sides you know when I was with the Yankees when Mr. Steinbrenner was around we always added and you know I lived in Seattle because I played there and made my home there even when I was playing in New York a lot of my good friends you know Ken Griffey Jr. I'll just drop names you know Jay Buhner Randy Johnson it was funny because we used to hang out in the wintertime all the time and 
they would laugh. They would say, you've got to be kidding me. You guys got better. And and we, I would laugh and say, yeah, yeah, we got Chuck Gamble. Oh, we got David Justice. You know, it's, it is, it's, it's that extra boost that, you know, a team needs. And no matter how good you are, you know, Mr. Strummer always did something during the trade deadline to make yourself make the team better. And when I was with Seattle, it was the opposite. You, you know, it was like, okay, we're in first place and we can't wait. Okay. Well, what are we doing at the trade deadline? And then we do trade nothing. your and closer. Like, yeah. And it's like, oh, you got to be kidding me. We didn't do anything to help us out and it deflates the team as well as the team is playing it kind of deflates you when you're or when your front office doesn't do anything to help you out but on the on the reverse side you're sitting there and you're knowing that uh, you know your organization is going to make some move and I think the guys in the clubhouse felt the same way that Brian Cashman was going to go out there and make something happen you know as bad as they were playing it was a roller coaster ride and next thing you know you had Rizzo and Gallo and you walk into that clubhouse when the next day and you're like oh my gosh you know we're winning I mean you get that feeling that okay we're winning this thing and and, and we're going to take off. I mean, we just added two studs in our lineup. And then you all of a sudden, you know, you add a young kid because of injuries or, or COVID that comes out and, and just it's his dream to play at Yankee Stadium. He hits the home run, his first home run on Saturday, and he's running around. His family's there. He gets the belt the night before. And it's for veteran players. You love that. I mean, you just eat the young, young energy up. And, you know, sometimes things just get stale. On the, on the field, no matter how good you are, it gets stale. And then they just add something that just refreshes everything. It, it's almost like it's as simple as the mentality was, we're waiting to see what goes wrong. And now they're waiting to see what goes right. Like it's that much of a changed vibe. Because, you know, we've, Chris, Jack and I would be sitting there waiting for a post game, top of the ninth inning, Yankees are up by three. Suddenly a team ties it. We're like, what else can go wrong <laughs> with this team? It was almost that mentality. Now everything's going right. Yeah, it, it was kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop every every freaking night. And it, it hit its peak, that doubleheader against the Mets on July 4th on Mr. Steinbrenner's birthday, for crying out loud. They lose the first game in grand fashion. And I got to give you guys a lot of credit, Bob. That post game after that first game was unbelievable. You, John Flaherty, and Jack Curry, you told it like it was. You were extremely rough on them because they deserved it. And it, it was just, it was refreshing to see uh, three people who I look up to big time on our network, and they were just doing a tremendous job on that show. And then Nestor Cortez <laughs> comes out, and he just starts turning things around, and he's been doing that. Now, you're a lefty. You pitched in college. You're looking at Nestor Cortez, and you're looking at what he's doing. This is a guy that they traded for uh, cash considerations to Seattle. He stunk in Seattle last year. They bring him back off the waiver wire. And what he's doing, Bob, is nothing short of spectacular. I, I'm thinking like Aaron Small, Sean Chacon in 2005. Aaron Small, I think he had like 14 or 15 starts. He was 10-0. and 0. Uh, Just a ridiculous job out of him to get the Yankees into the postseason that year, and he came out of nowhere. And now, it, like Nestor Cortez, think about the rotation. It, it was a mess. He's been the the glue that's, that's brought, and it's model glue. It's the stuff that you used to, well, I didn't sniff it when I was a kid, but I, I know there's a lot of Much. people. You think I did. You waited till an adult. <laughs> <laughs> you picked a bad week to quit sniffing. <laughs> I did. I did. Did you eat paint chips as a kid? <laughs> Why? Um, yeah, but he's just kept everything together. And then you got a guy like Luis Heal when Cole and Jordan Montgomery went on the COVID IL. 
it just seems like Bob, it's cut and paste. It's like writing an article and 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 that's what the Aaron Boone has to do right now, cut and paste and they've won nine straight. It's just amazing. Yeah, it, it's almost like when they were underperforming, everybody but about Aaron Judge was underperforming and maybe pitching wise Garrett Cole. It was Garrett and everybody else. And then they start to see a Nestor Cortez come in and what he's doing. He's pitching above his pay grade. Jamison Tyone was what he was when the season began. And suddenly he's caught fight. He found a way to make a change, to pitch with confidence, to pitch deeper into games. And I wonder if some of those players that were just kind of, I don't want to say going through the motions, but underachieving, said, wait a minute, you know, we're supposed to be the superstars, yet Nestor Cortez is picking us up big time. You know, all of these players, and Jamison Tyone suddenly is on fire. Tyler Wade had, what, a seven-game hitting streak. Brett Gardner, Andrew Velasquez, what he's doing. And they just kind of got sucked into that vortex, like, wait a minute. We're supposed to be doing that, too. And maybe it all just – I mean, I, I haven't seen this much continuity in the lineup for, I mean, all season long. Yeah, probably since maybe 2009. And you you bring up great points, and but you look at the team before the trade, and it was a lackluster – how many times it was a lackluster – lackluster team they're on a roller coaster ride there's no sense of urgency there's no fun they, they go out they're losing they, focus they, they were lifeless they were yes base running mistakes fielding mistakes they can't pitch their bullpens array you guys are going on the il all the time and then they make the trade and look the, the trade has been the turning point for this team and they're not lackluster anymore they go out with a sense of urgency and now when they've picked up all these games on boston now boston's what two and a half behind them and they're right there with the Rays now at four and a half and leading the wild card by two and a half over Oakland and Boston. And now you have a, t- you know, a, a tough West Coast. I mean, you hit Atlanta first, but then you go out on the West Coast. And sometimes it's never really good for the Yankees out there. But I think they're, they're heading there at the right time now. You know, they're heading there with, OK, you know what? We've been playing outstanding baseball and we have a sense of urgency. The first half, let's just flush it down the toilet. And basically you should anyway. And they're playing with a sense of urgency and say it's all about winning. I wonder this, like all of those guys that in the first part of the season and sort of the philosophy, we're going to slug, but we're going to strike out. Oh, well, we're going to have 10 strikeouts a game. All of a sudden Rizzo comes in and they start watching his at-bats and they're like, oh, wait a minute, we can do that too. We don't have to strike out. We can change our philosophy a little bit, extend at-bats. And Chris, as you've seen lately, they're going 2-2, 3-2 on everybody. They're wearing these pitchers out. It's just so different from when they were struggling. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And and to get those longer at bats and to battle and, and to do what they're doing is something that Nelly just brought up. That that reminds me of the 2009 Yankees. And, and they went on to win the World Series. They wore pitching staffs out. Nelly's teams wore pitching staffs out. They didn't give up at bats. They didn't strike out 16 times a game. That's not going to win you ball games. And here's the other thing. Since the All-Star break, They have the most steals in Major League Baseball. Anthony Rizzo swiped a bag on Saturday. I mean, when when the team sees that, what see, I think the difference is, guys, and you could debate me if you'd like, but they have baseball players on this team now. Guys like Rizzo know the game inside and out. His IQ is off the charts. And and that trickles down in the clubhouse. You know, they're talking. I saw DJ LeMahieu make the first out of the game on Saturday. Aaron Judge was hitting third, I think, and he was in the batter's box. He walked over to LeMahieu. They had that conversation like, what does he have? It was Maeda. So it was probably, what does he have? Is it dipping? Is it biting? You know, they're active. They're engaged. I didn't see that all season. I saw that Saturday. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but it just seems like 
they're starting to play baseball. You know, you hear analytics people say all the time, well, steals are just giving outs away. We don't want to steal anymore. And uh, bunting is giving outs away. We don't want to bunt anymore. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I yeah, mean, but they're, but they're bunting smart, too. Like, if it's a Tyler Wade, he's looking and seeing that the third baseman is in a shift or something. It's wide open. It's not just that, oh, let's play small ball for the sake of that we can do it now. It's that they're all smart at bats. Yes. And and here's something else that maybe Nelly could help me understand, because I brought this up before, and it happened Saturday, and I tweeted it, and it just makes no sense. They overshifted Wade to the right side, okay? So no one's over at third. There's a There's a third baseman and then a gap. To second, the first two pitches from Maeda outside corner. <laughs> I don't understand what the thinking is. He just punched it right through the left side, base hit. When you have an overshift on, if you're a starting pitcher, if you're a reliever, and the overshift is on, and you don't, maybe he's not hitting his spots, or maybe that was his spot. I don't understand that logic because if you're a good hitter, you're gonna take it that way. I just don't understand. You guys help me understand this because I don't. Well, I think it goes batter to batter. I mean, you got to know that Wade can slap the ball the other way. If it's Joey Gallo, maybe you stay outside. You don't worry about it. You don't want to come inside on him, but you're right about that. I've never understood that. If you got a guy that can slap the ball the other way, why are you pitching him away? Especially if the defense has shifted that way. That doesn't make any sense. That's baseball, Susan. It's the computer. <laughs> you know, I, you know, Bob, right before you came on and, and you know, some of the concern, I mean, obviously everything's been going really well and, and going into September, going into these last five weeks, I was going to ask you what concerns you, uh, if, is, if anything, going forward as far as maybe this team dropping back a little little bit or keeping it going you know the one thing when they get into the playoffs and I honestly feel they'll get in now the one thing that I'm concerned about is not it's not the health it's not the players it's the computer it's it's the computer that that is going to dictate how these guys play is going to dictate how Aaron Boone use the pitching staff and use the bullpen it's happened year after year once they get in the playoffs they fall short because a stupid computer is telling them to go a different direction instead of their gut well also what's going to happen when glaber torres comes back and suddenly obviously he's going to play so you have to send a velasquez out you have to send you know maybe a wade out you what do you do with that roster construction when it's the same old guys is he going to be in that mentality that everybody is in right now of, you know, it's all about the team. It's all about whatever. He's got to pick it up. He's got to kick some rust off. And I know the rosters this year, they're not expanding like they used to in September. Yeah, 28. We were just going over 28. The double header. Yeah, that's that's huge because we kind of had a philosophy was why not keep some of these guys on the shelf till September 1st? And then you can bring back a Glaber and keep a Velasquez. That's not going to be the case this year. So that's going to be a challenge. What do they lose when they have to send some of these guys out? Well, I mean, if you looked looked at Allen and Floreal, I mean, it was the same thing. Oh, Allen needs to stay. Floreal needs to stay. They injected a new life into this Yankee team. I, I think by adding the trades, I, I think it might have taken care of a lot of the lackluster play that some of the veterans were going through. You know, it's going to be a tough decision. I mean, even Urshela, I mean, you almost want Odor in that lineup the same way. You want Odor in the lineup and, you know, he can't play short. He's not going to play second. He barely has an arm enough for third. And maybe Urshela winds up coming back and, you know, unfortunately, Velasquez probably is going to be the odd man out. He may wind up playing short on occasion. 
Yeah, you bring up a good point, though. I mean, you've still got Rizzo. You've still got Gallo. That's an energizer in itself. And I think especially with a month left in the season, you make a push to the playoffs, you're going to keep busting your ass. You're not going to sit there and lament the fact that Velasquez is down at AAA. It's a good point. And, and you know, I think the the Luke Voigt, we talked about Voigt's comments last week, Bob, and, and you know, me and Jake and Nelly, we differed on our opinion of his comments. I didn't really take it as he was challenging Rizzo or challenging the team to, to get him on the field. But I think it's a... I think it's a good problem. We've used that in the first segment about having a lot of options to go to right now, especially when guys come back. It's a good problem because to me, competition within your own team helps. That doesn't hurt. That helps. That's going to push Luke Voigt. His last seven games, he's hitting 500. I think it's helping Luke Voigt. He's finally healthy too. That helps a big, a great deal. But I think having Anthony Rizzo there pushes Voigt. I think having Gallo there pushes the other outfielders. Like, you know, we all have to step up. And I make this, uh, you know, because I'm an 80s kid and I do this from time to time, but it's kind of like forming Voltron. It is. It's putting everything, every facet of this Yankee team together, the bullpen, the starters, the lineup, uh, the the secondary and tertiary guys all coming together and playing as one. And that's what we're seeing right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of finagle this construction of the roster when these guys start coming back because they do have something very awesome right now. And it would be a shame to see this fall apart when guys come back. I don't see it happening. My only concern, Bob, is the bullpen and how it's been used. I don't know about you, but I just hope it lasts through September and into the playoffs. No, I think it will. I think they'll figure out a way to, to use those guys. And then if, if, if uh, use them the right way, give them the time off they need. But as much as you don't want Nestor Cortez out of that starting rotation, could he then become a guy that, you know, Kluber comes in if Kluber does come back, pitches four innings and Nestor backs him up with four? What about Luis Heel? Like we saw Phil Hughes back in 2009, Bob, be a big part of the bullpen. I know maybe the Yankees don't want to pull him out of the rotation or make him be a reliever, but he has two electric pitches. He's still working on his changeup. And he reminds me a little bit that Orioles start his first start of his major league career. He reminded me of Dellen Batanza slash Jabba Chamberlain in their primes. I mean, I could see him, maybe I'm crazy, you tell me, but I could see him definitely being a big time piece out of the bullpen if if the Yankees get into the postseason. I could see them doing that too, because even if Cortez is down there too, and again, you don't know day by day what's going to happen with the rotation, who's healthier, who's not, but suddenly you got guys that can get their starters, basically, that can give you three, four innings, then you're able to save the bullets of Britain, Green, Loisiga, Chapman. I want to go back to one other thing too, not to get away from the bullpen, but one of the biggest stories early in the season that is just a non-story now, as it should be, is John Carlos Stanton playing the outfield. I mean, that gives him so much more flexibility to fill that DH spot. And it was like, oh, we're we're working him back where he, at some point he'll play. The dude played outfield for seven or eight years in the majors at a quality level. Suddenly he can't play the outfield anymore. That just boggled my mind. Like I get you're trying to keep him healthy, but just he can't stay healthy anyway, right? So just throw him out there. Let him be a good outfielder. Let him hit. I'm very upset at you, Bob, because you didn't go Chaz Michael Michaels and say mind bottling. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we had I don't remember who we had on as far as when I think they were coming into the Yankees were going into a National League team. And it's like, oh, Stanton's going to have to play the outfield and he's getting his legs under him. And, you know, 
the concern was is that these guys aren't using the same muscles that they were using. They're not out there, you know, they don't you don't see the pitchers run very often anymore. They're not using the same muscles that that you they're not actually playing. You know, I think it was maybe Billy Ripken. I think when we had Billy Ripken on and he said, we played. I mean, we played every single day. The guys played. The outfielders, they played. They were using the same muscles every single day. And even during spring training, I mean, these guys aren't, they're not used to playing every single day. They're usually, oh, four and I'm going to have a day off or five, I'm going to have a day off. I mean, you couldn't keep guys out of the lineup in our in our years. But now, because of whatever, they're trying to keep everybody healthy. These guys aren't playing. But you're right. You have to have Stanton in that outfield. You have to have him uh, just to get Voight the way he's hitting, just to get Voight in the lineup. You can't take Rizzo off of first. He's one of the best first basemen in baseball. You got to have him there, and especially in the lineup. And you need Voight as a DH. I mean, you can't put him in the outfield. I can't see that. Maybe they try it on occasion. But Stanton's got to be in the outfield. He can't be that log jam that... All, all he can do is DH. And by the way, isn't the message too when you put him out there and Voight is DHing? You look at that lineup and you just basically hand in that lineup card and say to the opposing pitcher, "Go get him." Yeah, and defensively, <laughs> they're not losing Richard anything. Spot. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get battered. Oh my! God. But you know what? I wanted to ask. We we're talking real quick of the starting rotation. Do you think the Yankees, I mean, okay, they're really excited when they signed Kluber and he, and he started out really nice, you know, so the new hitter and obviously excited about, okay, can he return to the form that he had maybe just a little bit in Cleveland? Do you really want to take that chance and, and have him back in the rotation just as an experiment to say, okay, yes, he's a veteran pitcher. Do we want to try that out? And, and you know, what happens if all of a sudden he blows up and, and he's healthy, but he's blowing up and, and he's already down by eight runs or seven runs. I mean, do the Yankees really want to try that right it's a good point I, I i'm of the mind especially with a cortez right now if it if it ain't broke don't fix it and you've got montgomery throwing pretty well tyone and cole are locked in well cole is i mean he's you can see he's kind of bouncing back from the COVID list but tyone's locked in cortez is locked in montgomery looks good yeah why why mess with it i mean again maybe it's one of those things where you kind of give him a little more time rehabbing to see where he's at and see if he can consistently get guys out. And then you make a decision. But And, and with heel too, I mean, you can bring Kluber back to your point, Nelly. You could give him a soft landing against maybe a team that could be a soft landing for him. You know, I, I wouldn't really put him into a high stress situation, but there are ways you could work him back and give him spot starts here and there. There are ways to work around it. And like Bob said, I mean, you don't, you don't want to take Cortez out of the rotation, but you could piggyback Cortez on those Kluber starts and see what you have. And if it's not there, then you move on. I, you could, but you're at the point that you just can't afford to lose a game. You, you know, obviously you're not winning out. You're not going to win out the season, but at the same time it, to go through an experiment saying, Oh, you know what? Kluber's ready. We are going to have him start. He's going to only going to go 60 pitches or whatever it is. And then, okay, we're going to back him up with heel or Cortez. It just seems to me, you know, I'm sure the Yankees will wind up doing it. And I'm just an outsider saying, you know, do you really need him? Do you really need Hey, you know, great that you're trying to fight your way back and you want to pitch, but you know, there's just not a spot for you. I mean, if things are going well, I mean, you just don't want somebody out there for an experiment to see if he can come back and try to help this team when things are going so well right now. Yeah, it's a great point. I like kind of like what Chris said. Maybe you drop them in if you know they want to reset the rotation when they play the Orioles, sixth man or something. 
yeah. in a rotation. What's that? Right. When they play the Orioles. The Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, oh, baby. Um, yeah. So I, I got one more for you, Bob. And, and that is we try to stay away from it because we don't want him to make we don't want to make him feel bad. But our producer, Jake Brown, is a lifelong Mets fan. And um, he was on here brag, very braggatocious early on in the season. Is that when... like expialidocious? What <laughs> braggatocious? Braggadocious. Yeah, he was braggadocious early on in the season because his Mets had the largest lead in any division. And now we like to give him a little bit of the business. Remember that official? He threw the flag. He was giving him the business. Well, we 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 like to give Jake a little bit of the business. I knew it wasn't going to last. I knew it was going to sink and drown, just like it always does. But then I just didn't think it would that, happen Jake, this fast. Then why are you like? I wasn't braggadocious. I was maybe more reveling in the fact that the Mets were in the playoffs and the Yankees were not, and now it's flip flop. Well, Bob was talking about you know Bob was talking about he had a lot of friends living under rocks. Well, <laughs> Jake, Jake Jake hasn't been living under a rock, but he's he's getting ready to buy a condo underneath a huge boulder. Oh my god! Uh, under the rock in Rhode Island, that's where I'm moving. Yep, it's uh, it's gotten ugly. But uh, congrats to you guys. Yeah, for, that, that's uh, the one thing we've learned like for example our head of research Jeff Bogliata is a Braves fan he grew up in Georgia and they'd be playing well and it's June he's just feeling it and you're like dude you gotta play the full 162 hang in there you know and sure enough something would happen and they'd start losing games and it's like sometimes you just gotta let the season play out before you really get on that too high of a high for your team the Mets have the most World Series in April in baseball history actually. The, uh, I just called the Elias Sports Bureau and that was the case but uh Mets fans for Yankees this week beat the Braves please I need the Braves to lose two games have those world championships in April what do you get like a pinky ring for that uh, well they won get, they get a, yeah. a toilet seat <laughs> they won the grapefruit league they get a ring they're going to get their ring next spring training for winning the grapefruit league oh my God, oh, God. Uh, I need some great my BMI is so high I could use a grapefruit fruit so. <laughs> well there you go bob uh, how many emmys is it now i i kind of lost count i lost i don't count. know i i think the website says 17 jesus how many do you have sharon me yeah. I, no bob has singular emmys i have group emmys i no, don't I don't, I don't like the singular emmys. emmys i like the group emmys i like when we win for pre-post when we win for a like a jeter special or something well like played. That. Well bob played. is a team player team player <laughs> so you got it jake that's what it's all about <laughs> i wouldn't be it's all about me i would say that <laughs> no i'm kidding there is no i in team but there isn't me uh that's gonna do it for us 17 emmys bob thank you so much for coming on you could come on here any time we always have a ball when you come on and uh, we appreciate it pal thank fellas you. thank you so much good to see you guys thanks that says good night to episode 80 of the pinstripe pod our yankees podcast from the new york post thanks to jake brown and brian mungia for producing the show do us a solid going to Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. You could also find us on Spotify or wherever else you get podcasts. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Thursday following the quick two-game series with the Braves as we look ahead to the Yankees' huge series in Oakland. Enjoy the games, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod. <laughs>